This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi everyone and welcome back to Every Step Along The Way and welcome to an extra feature that we created this season called Stoke City Extra Time. Extra Time is exactly that, it's an extra episode talking specifically about hot off the press topics such as new signings or major club changes that simply can't wait until your next weekly episode. But this isn't just another regular episode, Extra Time comes with a twist. We hear specifically from you the listener and get your thoughts on those key topics which adds even more spice and potential debate to discussions. So we'll continue to be your one-stop shop for everything Stoke City. Every step along the way means every step. We hope you enjoy this very thought-provoking episode. Little recording icons are flashing at me, so we must be on. We must be ready to go. Uh, like I say, anybody, as per usual, anybody wants to uh, get any comments, leave them in the in this comment section, of course. Where else would they be? And also, if you want to get involved and you want to have a chat with us, um, whether it be a full discussion or just ask a question or whatever, by all means, um, you're more than welcome. Yeah, the more the merrier get involved. Uh, yeah, the, the easier it is. So you'd have to just listen to mine and Mike's voices for the next hour or so. <laughs> so, Mike... We'll kick this off straight away. This is a very different feeling to the last one of these we did, isn't it? Uh, you can say you can say that again, mate. <laughs> yeah, five games unbeaten since the last one, um, which is a rare occurrence for a Stoke side. <laughs> um, again, the five probably tough fixtures as well. Let's be fair. Um, I think we exceeded near enough everybody's expectations. Then we realistic ones anyway with the eleven points. Yeah, no, no one ever expected this many points. I, I think even the most optimistic of Stoke fans would never have accepted, or sorry, expected rather, um, that that many points. Especially, you know, we we put up a, a decent enough fight against Leicester, uh, you know, before the international break. And considering we had what was it, Josh Loren playing centre back, and you know, we were we were really struggling. We were desperate for the international break, uh, weren't we? Realistically, um, so I think yeah, to come back and. You know, go on at the run that we did. You know, Sunderland was an important one, I think, for you know for Alex Neal and uh, the players, and just getting some bodies back and getting people settled again. I think that was that was really important. I think that really set us up, and you could see straight away for me. While it wasn't the most incredible performance, right? Uh, you could still see 
the signs were there um, and the, you could tell the difference when we actually had people back and playing in their natural positions. Um, but, you know, yeah, 100%. I would have... If you're looking at Sunderland, Leeds, Middlesbrough, Cardiff and uh, and Coventry, I mean, where would you have said you get your points from? You'd probably say you get three points versus Cardiff. I know we've got none. Um, and you would take probably a point away at Coventry, I think, most people. So, realistically, you're saying maybe four points if everything goes well. So, yeah, to, to go and get, like, what, 11 points? You can't argue with that. I think any team in this league would have taken that amount of points against those teams. Yeah, it's a very stoke way of doing things, isn't it? <laughs> get yourself oh, to yeah. the bottom of the league, just outside the relegation zone, and then get a really tough run of games against the teams at the top and just go, win, win, win. Yeah, draw, draw. Certainly, uh, certainly been the Stoke way for as long as I can remember. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's, it's always been the uh, the small the smaller clubs. And it's probably harsh to call them smaller clubs, to be honest. Struggling but, clubs. Yeah. How about one? Yeah, struggling clubs and charity SCFC comes out of the woodwork, doesn't <laughs> it? I mean, you, you know, if you look at Dan, you know, the, the last the last couple of games, I guess if you want to maybe go in a little bit in reverse. Um, uh, I mean. <laughs> Coventry and, and Cardiff, you made a comment to me privately, and I think it was private, I don't think it was on the pod, that maybe the fact that we've drawn the last 2 nil nil is that a result of the lack of trust in Jack Bonham and wanting to be a little bit more robust, or is that being a bit harsh? I think you said yeah. that. Yeah, so I think we were going to get into sort of the, the goalkeeper chat we were later on, but we may as well, may as well head there now. Um, yeah, for me... I, I, for me, I feel that we've he's made us more solid and more compact at the back and, and more rigid like uh, in the last couple of games since Bonham's come in. Now, don't get me wrong, what he's been asked to do, he's done very well. And you know, he obviously, you know, he hasn't let a goal and yet he's, 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 he's far exceeded the, the expectations in the last three matches. However, I do feel that we are... Playing it, playing a way that protects him more than we were with Travers, as in like he felt. I think the manager felt that he could be a bit more expansive and a bit more attacking when he had Travers in goal. And I think now he hasn't. He's got bottom. I think the defense is just sitting a little deeper. That you know they're a bit like I say they're not the fullbacks aren't looking to get forward maybe as much, and everyone's looking just to make sure that we minimise the amount of chances we do give away because the. Trust isn't maybe as 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 there in Bonham as it was in Travis. That's how I'm seeing it anyway when I'm looking on the pitch. You know the one bit of irony uh, that comes from this as well, and you know we we've given Jack a lot of stick on the pod, and I still stand by my stick. <laughs> I still don't think he's going to be good enough. And if you're a promotion chasing team, you don't want to jack Bonham in it, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but yeah, absolute credit to the guy. But the one amusing thing that I actually thought about the other day, what uh, I mean, the one area that me and you have probably criticised Travers on, which there isn't much to criticise, let's be honest, but what he has been poor at is actually his kicking. His kicking's let him down so many times. But Jack, <laughs> that's a strong point of his. Like, he, you know, again, his distribution has been really good. His shot stopping's been good. He's flapped once or twice. You know, I think every goalkeeper does. You can't be too harsh. Um, I don't think Jack's really put barely a foot wrong. Now, do I all of a sudden want him? Absolutely not. I think we need to we need to get to January, um, try and get Travers back on a permanent basis. So I think that's really important. Um, but I still think, look, Jack's going to 
always be susceptible to an error. Um, I do, however, when we think back to his errors, I do think we've also got a very crap defence previously to blame for some of them as well, where it doesn't help him out, it makes him panic. You know, if I remember the Aidan Flint situation, obviously, you know, he's come out when he shouldn't have come out, fair enough. Um, and then a good, you know, a good defender stops that ball going in. I think it was against Reading, wasn't it? Uh, he stops that ball going in. So, yeah, he also didn't have a defence to help him out either. Aidan Flint knew what he wanted to do in that situation. His feet just weren't quite linked up to his brain, were they? <laughs> like, he did. Look, he thought, right, I need to cover this. I need to get back. I got him all. So he got himself there. Got himself great position on the line to clear it, and then just sort of his feet all got in a muddle, didn't they? And he ended up sliced into his own net. Um, so yeah, like you said, uh, that we haven't got any Aidan Flint in this backline now, have we? You know, again, you know, Rose hasn't. Um, always been the most uh, praised defender, shall we say? Uh, you know, not by us or or you know, Stoke fans, Coventry fans before him. But I think he's a solid enough option. I think he's a better option to have than say an Aidan Flint and that. Yeah, they they really surprised me. If I'm honest with you, mate, and I think McNally. He's been the stronger of the two. I think he's been a victim of the fact that he's he keeps playing with different partners. I think any any probably quality centre back would tell you that you need to play alongside another consistent centre back. You can't have you know constant confusion over okay, well if I go here, you go there, and having to constantly talk, it needs to become almost telepathic where you know where the other one's going to be. Any good team is going to have a strong defence. So that's really, really important. Um, I think Rose rightly got criticised uh, for his first few games. He was making mistakes. He was letting people go at the back. His defensive capabilities was awful. He was giving balls away. And I don't think all of a sudden he's, again, become an amazing player. I think he's he's probably been working with McNally. Alex Neal's seen the error. They've, they've got a bit of consistency in the team. And I just think we're seeing the results now of a, of a consistent-ish back four. I think that's where, that's where we are. And I think long-term, and I was saying this to you before, when we think about like Luke McNally, I think we're getting Luke McNally ready for when Burnley get relegated. And I think we're going to be in the same Will Smallbone-type situation uh, with him, which is the nature of a loan right. But yeah, I think we potentially are looking down that route. But who cares, right? So if, if they come in and they have a good partnership, maybe Ben Wilmot takes longer to come back. Um, if they're a good partnership, if he leaves us next summer, so be it. That's football. Yeah, I don't think he's... I, I, originally, I think that maybe Burnley were hoping that they would solidify themselves in the Premier League this year, stay up probably quite comfortably. And then I actually think they were probably looking to... They were looking to get rid of McNally next summer. I don't think they quite see him at this point as being a, a, a you know a mid-table top half Premier League defender, which is where I think they thought they were going to be heading because of how easy they had it in the Championship last year. I thought that over the summer and that that's where they were thinking of going. That's where they thought they'd end up. It definitely hasn't ended up that way, though, is it? So I think they're very much coming straight back down. Um, and in that case. What more better defender to have than a young lad on your books who's probably got well over a hundred championship matches by that point? After his uh, spells, you know, we obviously played for Burnley and then uh, Coventry and Stoke as well. 
he's going to be well, we're well averse to a to a championship promotion charge. I think so, and I'm I'm keen to try and um, get your your thoughts on. I mean, we'd look back at obviously the five games as well um, briefly. We're not going to go into each individual one, but I think a, a catal- Do you think the catalyst was? the bit of luck against Leeds as well. Because, you know, we took that into the Middlesbrough game and we, let's be honest, we, we bossed Middlesbrough. Like, we, we won that and deserved every single one of those three points. But do you think that little bit of, I don't know, extra boost in confidence, the fact they you know they missed the penalty and we go you know go down the other end and score, um, something that would have 100% gone against us previously, that little bit of luck, do you think that was the catalyst to to go into Middlesbrough and then secure another three points then? Do you think maybe the players think that things are turning a little bit? Yeah, I think, I say in the past, I think even the penalty award, we just felt that it was already going in, like, oh, you know, this typical, just like every other game the last seven years, it's going to turn to crap at some point. And I think that's the feeling that's been around the club, anti, whether it be the players, the fans, uh, the, the management, the staff, everybody's, you know, we've been on such of a sort of a constant sort of decline for so long. And I think, like I say, the summer, what happened, you know, every, the whole revamp and reset of the club over the summer, that's the sort of thing where it didn't affect them that bad because obviously everything, everybody here or everyone in the squad anyway is quite fresh. And I think that sort of little flick, of that switch, like you say, that penalty, just give everybody a lift that it was missed. We're down the other end, we score, and everything's off. You know, rather than like everything's against us yet again, oh my goodness, it was, oh, that's a bit of luck. And then you build on that, oh, we beat Leeds. Oh yeah, we needed a bit of luck, but we still beat Leeds. And then, you know, we'll beat Sunderland, we beat Leeds. And then we go away, you know, go away to Middlesbrough. Well, oh, bang in form. Yeah, well, they so are we now. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's a change of mindset. Well, we're in good form now as well. And then you've got that. And then in the last two games, I actually think, you know, we haven't been fantastic in the last two games. Far from it. But again, we've picked up key injuries. And it seems to me the most key injury we have at the minute isn't even Vidigal. It's Ryan Mai, I think, when he doesn't play, that's when you see a really marked difference in in the forward line. And I'm not saying that he himself is, you know, ripping up trees and, and uh, being fantastic, but it seems to be a real chalk and cheese kind of scenario where when he doesn't play, we really struggle up front. Um, and obviously he's been missing again the last couple of games, two nil-nils, but last season, or even earlier this season, we'd have lost both of them games and guarantee it, one nil. But it's be a very much a bit more um, steel, you know, steeliness to the to us now as a group. I mean, one of the things that obviously uh, that we've we've spoken about on the pod, right? So we talked about the fact that you know Merton Vidigal, Dwight Gale, and I mean, I don't understand to it, Dwight Gale hate club, um, really, but. I don't get why Dwight Gale's being given a chance. Okay, yeah, he ran around a lot at Millsborough. Good, that's what you're paid to do. Like, I, I don't... Gale proved to me, I can't remember which game it was now, they've all merged into one, but I think it was actually the last game at home against Card. If he had that, them chances, it uh, wasn't many chances, but we, we had a chance to, you know, to go... With, I think of Spedigal. I think it's probably, you know, I don't know, Lloris. I think I think he scores. Um, I think he was only about six yards out and he misses. And I just think that Gale, for me, has been given far too many chances. 
most other players would not get that chance. And I don't know what Gale brings to the party. Yet again, he runs around. Okay, I don't care. Most players who play for a football club in a professional setting should run around. I think Nathan Lowe would have run around. Uh, Wesley would have ran around as much as he has not exactly got pace. But yeah, you're right. Ryan May, um, he's... When he came, he was so lightweight. I think a, a big stiff breeze from the Bet365 would have blown him over, right? He's clearly been in the gym and he's been working, but he's got that guile, that movement, the bit of pace that you need and the physicality. So I see what you're saying about him he being a catalyst there. Um, and I think it brings other players around them into, into their kind of key positions. I, I guess... As well as Gail, just to kind of finish up, I wanted to ask what your thoughts were on Vidigal. Um, I mean, we we know that Vidigal is a, a cracking finisher. Uh, he's proven that already. Um, do you think Vidigal is also struggling from a little bit of form or fitness or confidence, maybe? Yeah, I think he... I think he's he had that massive start, didn't he? And he exploded at the blocks and you know, he was scoring goals for fun, especially at home, and they were important goals, they were winning goals, they were, you know, aesthetically pleasing goals. And everyone was like, My God, this guy's a a baller. Do you know what I mean? This guy is what a bargain, four hundred grand. And I think maybe the last couple of games Oh, no, I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not writing him off. But the last couple of games, maybe why he cost four hundred grand and not the four million quid that say Ryan Mai cost or nearly four hundred four million quid. You know, is he is he hit and miss? And we're just gonna have to accept that whilst he's gonna have a great run of form, like four or five games like he did at the start of the season, that he's also gonna have patches where he doesn't quite hit the heights. Or it could be like you say, he's had a couple of injuries. Because we were struggling, we rushed him back, he got injured again. Um is he is he sort of even if he's subconsciously sort of protecting himself a bit because he's being kicked to bits by defenders in this league every time he gets the ball? Quite, quite, quite potentially. I think you're right. I think it's, it's a, we know it's a very, very much more more physical. We we, we kind of get that. Um, I don't think he's a player that goes goes hiding. I think one thing you could say about him is at least. You know, the last few games while well, he hasn't been in top form, for me, at no point did he stop running and stop trying, which shows he's got the right attitude. And I think he knows he's a good player. Um, so I'm not, I'm definitely not concerned about Vidigal. Uh, I guess one of the bigger questions, and hopefully this means the back of Dwight Gale, um, but Tyrese Campbell, and I know Tyrese comes in for a lot of stick from people. He's obviously going to be back probably for, for the next game. Um I guess the question for me, I mean, firstly, I don't think Tyree should start at all. I think he's really got to earn it because before that, um, he, let's face it, he's he's, he's had a poor season. Um, So he needs to earn his way back in. But do you see a situation where, you know, we have Campbell, Vidigal and Lloris as those front three? Or do you think he's, he's really going to have to work hard to get anywhere near the picture? I think it's uh, the manager is very good on picking horses for courses, so to speak, and to to the cliche like where he'll he'll look at the opposition, he'll look at what he wants to do, how he wants to play, how he feels best to exploit the opposition's weaknesses and defence, and I think he'll pick his players to go with that. Now, whether that's the sort of the the pace and the um, the finishing ability of Campbell, especially off sort of that, you know, the right wing cutting into his left foot, maybe. 
uh, or does he want him on the left where he's, he can run around the you know come around the outside uh, or even down the middle, you know, or does he look at prefer as well actually you know, Vidigal's going to do me a better option on the left and I want Luis's work rate on the right and sort of you know winning them you know coming inside to win them headers like he does uh, and Ryan Mai we we've just mentioned there you know his, his attributes. Well, is he better suited to this match down the middle? Obviously, then you've got Haksavanovic. He's coming back as well. And see, he's been out. He's going to come back. Uh, you've got Junho, who's not ideally a wide man. He's more central, but he's sort of, you know, getting a few minutes here and there. So what we, the beauty is there, the, all the players we just mentioned there, there's no sort of duplicates there as the... There's none where you say, well, he's the number one at doing this, and if he doesn't play, then he's exactly, he's basically a clone of him, just maybe not quite as good. There's none of that. They all offer something different to me, looking at it. Yeah, yeah, they do. And, you you know, you need more than one game plan, 100%. Um, I mean, one of the comments we've had in, Dan, just to get your thoughts on this one. So, uh, Archie Gillen says, I think the problem we've had at the back over the years is that there was no balance. We had lads like Collins and Suter who are young and coming through. And then the likes of James Chester, Aidan Flint and Ashley Williams next to the younger lads who are way past it. Um, fair, fair comment, I think. Yeah, I think it's something we, t- we did touch on, though, didn't we, last season in that, we had a real dearth of, of those players at the peak of their careers. So there was a, sort of that sort of 25 to 30 age range where they've got the experience, they're coming into the prime or they're at the prime, so they can still do the job you know, as, as good as they can. But uh, And then they've got championship experience as well. And we, we looked at the squad and I think we only had like... Um, was it sort of a little Baker and Loren really were the only two who, who were in the squad last season everyone else was either like 22, 21, 20 or teenager or 35, 37 40 years old in the case of, of Phil Jagielka and I think that was it and it's funny because when you look at the January business that uh, the manager went and did that Neil obviously first window he had he went out and got people like Pearson, didn't he? Who, you know, again, what's Pearson? Late 20s. Um, obviously, yeah, you've got Twanzebu, who obviously didn't play as much, hasn't played, you know, hasn't got great experience in his game, but he's, what, mid-20s, 25, 26. So, and I think there was, there was a few others I can't think off the top of my head. I've tried to wipe most of last season away, to be fair. <laughs> I've locked it somewhere deep inside where I can't, where it wasn't going to spring up and give me nightmares. Um, but yeah, so there was like a lot of players there who he brought in and he obviously saw the same thing that there was no one else on that pitch who either had the experience to know what to do or still had the, the ability and the legs and the feet to be able to do it. We've got a number of like uh, topics that you've asked us to talk about, so we're not going to um, race on uh, with this bit much longer. I think we can have, we're happy to move on. But if anyone's got any comments, leave the comment down uh, there. Ask if you want to, you know, join and speak, you're welcome to. Um oh yeah, I say just do what Archie did and leave a comment. But um is there anything else you want to break down from the uh the other kind of sets of games? So obviously a couple of things that we've got coming out of it um is obviously a very good long unbeaten well uh, undefeated uh, run of without conceding, shall we say. So, like, we've we have got clean sheets galore, haven't we, in the last few matches? Um, and it's actually come to light. I know we put a sort of post out, didn't we, about 
in the last uh, since two thousand and one. They was six, and then he jumped up to third longest run, four hundred and forty minutes. Third longest run since uh, two thousand and one, where we haven't conceded. It's actually, I think, just outside the top five in the club's history. Um, there was a sentence, there was an article in the Sentinel. No, Pete Smith did. Um, the story the other day, and it was like, yeah, the, the the longest run Stoke have gone without conceding a goal. And it was like 1995, I think, 96 was one. Um, then there was the couple that we had mentioned were on there. And actually, the one that was there in 2006-07 season, which was 600-odd minutes, that was actually the uh, the longest. So I think it was like just under 670 minutes, I think. That's the longest we've ever gone as a club without conceding. So... Think of the great goalkeepers we've had, right, Mike? So you've got Gordon Banks, you know, um, obviously Banks, Shilton, you know, Fox, um, you know, Begovic, Sorensen, Butland, you know, great goalkeepers, and that, and obviously there's been many in between as well, and and that, and then the, if if we manage to get to Plymouth. 13 high to many against Plymouth. That's that's the point, right? So clean sheet against Blackburn at home. Not out of this world that we do that. Clean sheet away at QPR. Again, that's not unrealistic at all. I'm not saying the gimmies and they're definitely going to happen, but it's not beyond the realms of possibility there that we get two clean sheets. All we have to do is get to the 39th minute against Plymouth and we break that record. And at all them goalkeepers, all them matches we've played, fantastic, sort of the the best goalkeeper ever, in my opinion. There, um, from you know stuff I've seen, I've seen that not that much. Never saw him live, obviously. Gordon Banks, and the record will be held by Jack Bonham. <laughs> <laughs> the only way that could be worse is if Frankie Fielding made it made an appearance just to just to top that off. Eh? Okay. Um, Blondie, <laughs> Blondie, Christ, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a pretty incredible record, isn't it? I mean, we've got we've got a long way to go um, <laughs> before we get to that point. But um, yeah, I mean, Tommy Sorensen, Beggar, the the names you mentioned there, and Jack Bonham. As soon as he leaves, will be forgotten within a couple of years. Let's be honest. So uh, that's the only way he's going to stay in uh, Stoke folklore, if you like, is if uh, <laughs> he manages to make to keep that record. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. Like, I think. You know, we'll look at the games ahead soon, so we don't get too far ahead. But I agree; I think there's a, a really good chance. Yeah, it's just uh, we say this. Watch, like you know, second minute against Blackburn or so, one 0 down. Well, there we go. Reset it back to zero. Start again. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like to say hopefully we can get close because it means we'll be still picking up points and hopefully wins um, to go with them clean sheets. Um, yes, uh, another thing. What else were we going to talk about? So, yes, oh, I may as well talk about the other goalkeeper situation, aren't we? So, Mark Travers is no longer with us. So, he has uh, been recalled by Bournemouth. Now, I think we've made our uh, feelings pretty clear on this subject, haven't we? Uh, but we have now done to Solihull Moors what Bournemouth did to us. And we have recalled our young goalkeeper, Tommy Simkin, to sit on the bench. Now, how do you feel about that, Mike? Are you, do you sort of feel a bit like not impressed with how the club have done that? I mean, you know, not been too impressed with how Bournemouth treated us. 
or do you just think it's it's one of them things? I think yes, we've we've recalled them. That's the, probably the the obvious connection you can make. But I think the difference here is that Bournemouth knew that that keeper was going to be out for two weeks. The the the, you know, the the fact is they've got what four goalkeepers now who are fit. So within in a couple of weeks they've they've, they've basically dodged the system for me. They've somehow convinced the Premier League to approve it. Um, we have pulled a young lad back from obviously on loan. And what what's your alternative? Like we've got what Blondie, I think it is after Jack Bonham. If we if we don't have that, we've got absolutely no choice. Blondie, if you've ever watched him, I'm sorry. He's nowhere near championship level. We think Jack Bonham's bad. This guy is bad as well. Now, it's not his fault. He's just not going to ever be a championship goalkeeper. But what is our alternative? They, Bournemouth, at least had a couple more people they could lean on. I don't know if, I don't know what the reasoning was behind it. Mark Travers wasn't impressed by it. He's obviously said, I think he wants to come back um, in January. And I think it will 100% be a permanent deal. Now, I made the comment to you, Dan, that the I think the fact that they want to come back, we can make a deal happen. The problem we might have now is we have seen how good Travers has been for us. And if we have, so have Bournemouth, which means that maybe the couple of million quid we were going to pay for him before we couldn't sign him permanently, now might be four or five million, which we've said, you know, actually... You sign a keeper of his age up for a four or five year contract. If it is four or five million quid, it's probably worth it. Like it's a million quid a season from an FFP perspective. I mean, that is for the points that he will make us on his own, you know, game changing saves, it'll be worth every penny. But I do think we're in a scenario now where Bournemouth are going to try and try and rip us off a little bit. It's going to take a little bit of. Um, wheeling and dealing. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back on loan again in January um, and then we have to wait until deep into the summer window before we actually manage to sign him permanently because I think this is going to drag on. They're going to want to milk us, I think. A bit like a Ben Pearson scenario with Bournemouth getting in on loan and then over the summer we'll just just chat and do the deal and then when when the time is right he'll put pen to paper permanently. The thing with that as well, I mean, that rule itself... There's got to be change. There's got to be changes to it. It seems so simple to me that maybe that's what it is. maybe it's just too simple, right? So, so you have a goalkeeper, and especially you know, it only really happens with goalkeepers these emergency loans and being recalled and all that, doesn't it? So, Mark Travers, Stoke player, he's here, he's on loan, he's playing. Bournemouth get a couple of injuries. Premier League say, "Yeah, we call him back. You need him. You know, you need. You've only got one fit goalkeeper, senior goalkeeper. Recall him back. Okay, so he comes back, sits on the bench. Fair enough. Now, two weeks down the line, Darren Randolph's recovered from illness. Um, and is it Radu, the guy they got on loan from Inter? He's uh, back fit now, so he can. You know, they've got three goalkeepers." So the Premier League now turn around and say, right, you've got three fit goalkeepers now. So Mark Travers now has to return to his loan spell. He has to go back to Stoke and complete the rest of his agreed loan spell. Why is that not? Why is that not a thing? Because you, he's, he's back there for, to cover an emergency. Now that emergency is not there anymore. So why is he still there? It makes no sense whatsoever to me. They agreed outside of this, you know, before the transfer window closed, they agreed that he would be at Stoke for however long that agreement is. 
So why, if it gets if it gets cut short for an emergency, why, when that emergency does now not exist, is the original deal does that why does that not overrule it and become and he returns to his loan and not just us like say with Tommy Simkin if we if if yeah if we had to recall him because Travis at Bournemouth and then Travis comes back to us Simkin automatically goes back to Solihull simple yeah I agree and and if and if that's not possible then we should be allowed to sign an emergency replacement I think like and I think the problem is Dan the Premier League who approve these things they only care about the Premier League the Premier League don't give a crap about the Championship right um, so I think it's I don't think the Premier League themselves and I, I mean I'm pretty sure it was the Premier League who made the decision wasn't it uh, but if that's the they shouldn't be allowed to make that decision for me that should be one you know the the FA or one of the other football bodies. Uh, makes that decision because they're not independent. Um, and quite simply, I've obviously shown here that Bournemouth have, have taken the P out of the rules a little bit. So I guess the only hopeful saving grace is that they get screwed somewhere down the line in the future because they will see that that decision was the wrong decision to make um, and they've taken advantage of it. I think anyone with a pair of eyes can see they've taken advantage of a, of a loophole. But I'm, I'm with you. I think it, we should be allowed to return to players. If not, then they've left us in a very, very vulnerable situation and we should be allowed to go out and sign people on an emergency loan. And an emergency loan is generally for a month. So, yeah, again, it could cover that period of time that that other goalkeeper might be out. So we should be allowed to go and sign an other keeper, emergency loan for a month, and you're allowed to keep them rolling on a month at a time. So we could easily just take somebody to January and just keep extending it month on month on month. It, it, it's it's really, really unfair. And I think for Tommy Simpkin, if you ask Tommy Simpkin, I'm sure he'd rather be at Solly Hall than sitting on Stokes bench as well. So I think it works for everybody. The poor lad's been sat on England's bench this afternoon. He's in the England under-20 squad, isn't he? Something which he hasn't been. Um, He's been very mature, made the very mature decision to turn down advances from England this uh, this season because he was playing for Solihull. And obviously during international breaks, the National League carries on, doesn't it? So rather than risk losing his spot there... um, he said no to a couple of England under-20 call-ups, but obviously with him being back at Stoke now and having no game, uh, they came calling again, and he's took that. But, yeah, they've lost 3-0 to Italy this afternoon, or this evening, and he's... Uh, but he didn't play. He was on the bench as a sub-keeper, so maybe he was, maybe he was best sitting this one out. <laughs> they've lost 3-0. Can't get injured that way either, Mike. In case Jack Bonham gets injured between now and... Next weekend, we might need him. I mean, surely an emergency loan could be done then, right? I mean, if we lose another one. <laughs> well, they'll say no, because Frankie Fielding's back now. He's not fit. Say, Frank, I think it's time you retired, yeah? Very quickly. Quick. Go on, we'll, we'll make it worth your while, please. We, we were joking, weren't we, as well? We were joking about, about um, Fielding possibly... Just sort of like out of the blue retirement, just so we could get his keeper in, and then he mysteriously goes down with a training ground injury. I reckon you were in the bushes at Trentham and you you, you shot him in the leg or something. Well, we were, we were going to send you, but you said you didn't know which one he was. No one has a clue what the guy looks like. Right, let's get back onto so Alex Neil. Right, just before we move into the next five games, a month ago there was a lot of pressure on him. Though, let's be honest, there was a lot of. Uh, discontent amongst the camp. I know we did one of these, didn't we? And a lot of people, uh, not everybody, but there was there was more people than I'd known before say that 
his time was up or his time was very close to being up. He needed a, a miracle win against sort of Sunderland and Leeds, um, which obviously went and got. Now, I noticed over the last two games, those nil-nil draws, that there's been a few people still not happy. Um, not not as many, obviously just the odd voice now, uh, but you know, saying that we're still we're still playing poor football. It's um, you know, it, it's boring to watch. Um, he's he's been sort of. I think why I saw one person say we were lucky in the games against Sunderland and Leeds, and you know, it's papering over cracks. What is your sort of feeling on the manager now, where we're at? And anyone listening, like I say, get your comments in for this. We'd love to, you know, get a feeling of where everyone else is at as well. Uh, mine's pretty simple, Dan. Uh, my thoughts on Alex Neal are exactly the same they were before. Alex Neal stays, absolutely stays. Um, there's a there's a friend at work for me who uh, actually said to me, I think yesterday or the day before, um, he still doesn't think he's the right man. And I won't call him out, but he knows who he is. He, he does listen. Uh, so, yeah, I, I look, I agree. There's an element of luck, right? I mean, Let's not pretend that luck's only just shown up for Alex Neal this season. Right? Every club has an element of luck. That's where the whole you know decision swing and roundabout type comments come from. Like, yeah, you are going to have luck at times. Um, that's just the nature of football. It goes your way some weeks. It doesn't others. You just happen that you know it's come at the perfect time for us to get this little bit of a run together. So I think for me, Dan, Alex Neal is he perfect? Absolutely not. Uh, I think some of his substitutions are very much questionable at times. Uh, I think most people would agree with that. Um, some of the selections we criticise, I guess, we all criticise. Um, we all criticise you know, the Dwight Gale decision against Middlesbrough and apparently it was great. So, you know, again, we don't see what goes on that training pitch every single day of the week. So we as fans make an assumption based on what we see for 90 minutes or what our perceptions are of a certain player. Now, we all think we're right. And the, the fact is, I could be completely wrong about Dwight Gale. He might offer something that I can't see, um, as you know, with other people. So, I mean, for, for me, Alex, I think he's, he's given us an identity. I think that's one thing you can say about him. When he has his full strength team, we know what we are there, what we're there to do. We'll play a 4 3 3. We are a high pressure team. We want to take the game to the opposition. We know what we are and we know what we're going to do. Now, the players may switch and change and, and bits like that, but we know what we're going to do. Uh, I think we've, he was, I think he was flipping and changing between teams last season. Um, and yes, we can say that some of them players were not his players. We know that. But a manager still has to work with what he's got. So, there's an element of he's, he needs to stick to his convictions. He needs to stick to his identity. If things go wrong, I think he's got to be strong and push through and stick to his principles. No, yeah, change things up a little bit if needs be, but stick to his principles. I don't ever want to see a five at the back again. Uh, we've had a few managers who try that or different variations of, and it doesn't bloody work. You know, unless you're a Man City, it doesn't it doesn't work for me. Or you know, you come down from the Premier League and you've got. Premier League players. Um, so, yeah, a, a very long way of answering, Dan, that I think Alex Neal should be here to stay. I don't want to start the manager merry-go-round again. I'm not going to keep banging on about this. We've, we've mentioned it during the pod throughout the season. Um, but I think to want Alex Neal gone when he's what is he? Is he like the sixth longest serving manager now or something in the league? 
Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> and that says everything about football clubs up and down this country. Like, we know how, how, how big fans are for clubs, not just us, but elsewhere. Fans have a go, fans have a moan. You start calling out owners and chief executives that, you know, people know that that's the way of getting rid of people. Um, I just think that if anyone thinks that changing the manager is going to work, uh, I would say based on what, because we have shown... How many managers now? Uh, you know, we, we were known as a club who would keep managers for for years and years and years. We were, the amount of times we were told we're the model club because we don't sack managers, we give them a chance, and then we go and you know five or six managers in one go. It's not exactly made us a better team, has it? So we just need to stick with this guy now, accept him for his limitations, accept he's going to make good decisions, bad decisions, and carry on. Now, if we go for you know next season, let's say we don't get promoted, right? And next season. Um, you know, we are in the same situation again. You've you've got you've got an argument to say, look, is he someone who can take us any further? But I think to make that call now, after he's just now started to get his own team with all the injuries we've had, is absolute madness for me. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, like I said, I've always been with you. You know, he needs to stay. I think he's a I think he's a good manager. I think he's a very good championship manager. Proven tactically, I think he's very astute. I think he was just. Had his hands tied last season. I don't think he had any. He couldn't do what he wanted to do, and I think this season, when he's had the players fit and when he's had the, the options available, he wants. I think we've seen the best of us. What's happened is that key players again have got injured, and I know all clubs have injuries, and we have to get on with it. But we've got a squad that will still we're still learning each other's games. And I think now the more they are being playing together, I think. The, the further down this path we're getting towards being consistent. I think he's sorting the defence out. Um, and I think, let's say, dependence on the goalkeeper and that, obviously, we mentioned earlier on, depends on how much protection he's maybe giving that. Maybe he's giving him a little bit more than he wants, but at least he's seen that. At least he's seen that. He's he's learned from you know watching Bonham and Gold previously and he's taken steps to ensure that we are, you know... Um, that we are solid at the back and we're not giving away uh, silly goals and, and also that we've got a defence that now actually I think this defence probably trust Bonham more than they have done previously and there's a bit more you know like I say trust between defence and um, goalkeeper and goalkeeper and defence that wasn't there last year and I think the manager has to be credited with that as well because you know the previous managers have not been able to do get as a solid Defensive unit for years, have they? To anyone still who doesn't see that we are heading in the right direction, I'm a bit baffled as to why. But obviously, I'm not telling people they're wrong. I'm just personally, I can't see why people don't. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, Pigeon Man uh, 562 says, Gail's performance at Borough warranted a start versus Cardiff, but the bloke just simply isn't good enough however much he tries, uh, which is pretty much what you were saying, isn't it, Mark? It's not a case of him not wanting to do well, he just doesn't seem to be able to do anything well in, for a consistent amount of time in a Stoke shirt. Yeah, yeah, exactly that, mate. He's he's uh, he's finishing leaves a lot to be desired. We got we got Dwight Gale too many years late. Let's let's be honest. It, it, it was one of them things where I think we chased him for that many years. It was like, oh, we can finally get him. Yeah, he's crap. He doesn't he doesn't have to score anymore. But because we tried to chase him, let's just get him anyway. Because then we can say that we've we've we finally got our man. That's how it feels with with Dwight. It's it's a real real shame uh, about how it's happened. And um, Lewis as well, mate, has has mentioned that you know Daniel Johnson. He reckons stops our attacks and his very bang average. You know, I actually quite like Donald Johnson for a good chunk of the season. Um, I do agree, though. Like the last few games, I don't know if the guy's lacking in confidence. If he's maybe we're seeing some of his frailties come out of the woodworks a little bit. Um, he's been a bit of a letdown for me in the in the recent weeks. And I think if we had a natural kind of attacking midfielder, which is typically where he's been playing for a good chunk of his games when we're on the attack, um, I think he'd be dropped. And I think if, if Juno, probably actually, if Juno's lang- uh, language skills and understanding were better, because I think that's one of the main blockers for him right now is his understanding on the pitch. I think Juno would be in for, for Johnson personally. But I, I do agree with you, Lewis. I think recently, recently for me, you're right. He's he's he stops our attacks. He slows it down too much. Um, that shot he had, he had the other day when he was in, he just tried to bend it on the keeper. I've never seen a slower shot in my life. Like he, he, he's a, he's a little, Coventry. Yeah, that was. I mean, I don't know what what he thought had happened. Whether you know, he thought it was the tea break or something. But it was the <laughs> slowest shot in the world, mate. So I do, Lewis. I totally get what you're saying. This is what happens, you see, when they do training with with um, Frankie Fielding and and Blondie. Shots like I end up in the back of the net. What, what more are these people? <laughs> That's a bit harsh, isn't it? But yes, uh, Lewis actually, I think has the answer to this problem because I do um, actually see. What you mean with Daniel Johnson? I think in this summer, Preston fans said his legs aren't really there. Ninety minutes week in week out, and he's become more of a off the bench kind of game changing player. I actually think maybe that's where we need to try and move him to in the long term. Uh, I don't think he's got the you know the the the, the, say, well, the legs. Yeah, he hasn't got the legs in him to do it consistently. But Lewis's other comment actually leads me into a nice solution to this problem because he says it'd be nice to see Haksabanovic and Vidigal start together. And I would like to see Haksabanovic given a, in that number 10 position, that sort of attacking midfielder. Because um, I think he, he's not scared to get stuck in and, and I think he'll track back and out the midfield too out when needed. Um, but going forward, I think if he's got you know, Vidigal to one side, Larice to the other, uh, Ryan Mai in front of him, you know, throw a you know throw a, maybe a Tyrese Campbell in there somewhere with his pace for one of them. Then I think you know we're a Wesley as a target man to feed to to play into and feed off. Then I think you know Haksabanovic there. I think he'd thrive in that sort of you know, middle of the pitch on the ball constantly. You know, running the game through him. I think that could be a real interesting and um, beneficial thing to do for the for the side. 
I think was it. I think it was the Huddersfield game, if I remember rightly. I think it was an away game. I went. Um, Hatsabanovich played in the middle, and he was all over the place, like up left, right. He, he bossed that game, and he was playing that kind of free role that Daniel Johnson's been been afforded. And he he honestly was was brilliant. If anything, it was one of those scenarios where he was ahead of everybody else. You know, he was playing nice little neat balls through and through balls and everything, and the other players around him were just not used to such creativity, I think. Um, and I, I agree with you, Lewis. I, I think that's a great, great potential solution. Um, maybe we'll see that. Uh, personally, I think because of the break, I wouldn't be surprised if Johnson stays in the team. Um, but I, I do I do agree that that's a, a potentially really good solution. He also says he thinks this is the best peace taker we've had since Shikiri. Um. Yeah, from the bits we've seen, we haven't seen an awful lot of that. We've seen a couple, haven't we? Um, but yeah, I think I think he is a he is a really good one. Um, Archie, by the way, Dan's uh, also says uh, when we went on that run in March, I think we didn't win another game, or we went eight games winless. The difference now is we've had a good run. He's got to maintain the same structure and mindset we've had in the last five games. There's so much more depth in the side to keep that going. Uh, yeah, agreed. I think the the players getting these bodies back is been absolutely vital um, and Pigeon says by the way if I'm paying 47 quid to watch a game of football it categorically, <laughs> categorically cannot end nil-nil penalty shootout or something um, may, I'm not being funny if you paid 47 quid for a game of football uh, you're nuts I, I, you wouldn't you wouldn't find me paying that the only time I paid 47 quid for a game of football was when I, I went to Wembley um, and I will never pay 47 quid to watch a championship game of football ever Championship playoff final. Well, yeah, okay. That's, this Wembley is playoff final, whatever <laughs> it is. That that's what I'm saying. But that's when you've got a justification. I think Coventry should be ashamed of themselves uh, to, to to try and charge that. We've been down that road. We're not going to discuss that again. But um, I think you're bonkers. And the the only way that again we would potentially stop them is if people stop going. And we've said this before. The fact that you know was it two and a half thousand turned up. Why are Coventry, why, why Coventry going to um, put their prices down? They don't need to. They've just filled it. Next season, yeah. it might be a 48 or a 49 because they know they've got enough mugs who are going to pay it. Um, that, that's the thing, right? So You sold, yeah, sold out the way and with a, you know, the waiting list in case anyone couldn't go. Yeah, so so why why would they ever put it down? So as much as you know, I do understand fans complain about prices, and we are absolutely mugged off with prices, a hundred percent. But let's bear in mind that we are literally feeding the beast. So to turn around and moan, no, I'm saying to, no, this is you pitching, by the way. But I know you've been listening. I'm not going to go you, but what, the, the other people that moan about the prices and bang on and bang on, and you go, oh, so you're not going then? It's like, oh no, I'm going. Well. Stop moaning then, because you are literally feeding it and making it even worse by paying it and keep paying it. If a hundred people turned up instead of two and a half thousand, they may not do it. But as football fans, we're bloody nuts about our team, right? We follow them, <sighs> bloody blind loyalty at times, right? Uh, like I, we we are nutcases. It's probably one of the only kind of sports or kind of sectors that you can go to something, come back, sometimes hate it and be willing to pay it again the week after. Um, yeah, it's football, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, Lewis also says, one more comment from him, he says, how important is, is Pearson, by the way, just holds everything together? 
Uh, Pearson is huge for me. Uh, I know everyone gives him stick for his yellow cards, but I mean, that's kind of what he's there to do. He's like the last line of defence. He's going to hit more yellows than than most other people. So um, I think it's a bit like, you know, other players in the pitch, where he, like Henry at times, you know, Henry's crap in defence, but going forward, he, he you know, he, he was playing really well previously. I do, again, like I said in the last part, I don't think Henry's been anywhere near good enough to stay in this team this season overall. Um, but but there he is. So I think it's just one of them. You have to accept that Pearson's going to be the man who picks up the yellow cards, gets the odd suspension here and there. But you see, when we take Pearson out of this team, what have we got? We've got Thompson. And Thompson actually has been okay when he's come in, but he's no Ben Pearson. He's not even close to Ben Pearson level. So... I think until we get a suitable defensive midfield cover, that's Pearson's position. Like it's as, it's as much on the team sheets as anybody every single week. So, uh, but you're right, Lewis. Yeah, Pearson definitely is the man who holds it together. Um, so yeah, I don't think there's any more comments. We're, we're going to tie this up in about five minutes, guys. So uh, any other comments you've got, then please make sure you get them in quickly. Um, any other comments, points from you, Daniel? Yes, there's a few, there's a few other things. Uh, just to let people know, obviously we uh, we have been to see John Rudge twice in recent weeks, haven't we? Um, yeah, we invited into his home to record two podcasts with him, both of which we uh, thoroughly enjoyed and got great sort of feedback from you guys as well. Uh, but he is actually doing an event at Nipersley Cricket Club next Thursday, seven pm, free entry. Um, now, I don't, don't know how much um, you know people are sort of uh, interested in sort of helping this along, uh, but the reason he's done the book, I don't know, you know if, if people have sort of caught on to this, the reason he's doing, he's doing the book is he's trying to raise money because they're trying to put a statue of him outside Vale Park, obviously for all his sort of you know, stuff that he did there, and... Um, Basically, he's trying to. He's, he's only done the boot because he wants to try and help them towards their target. Um, because I think they sort of they got so far and sort of hit a bit of a wall. So he thought, well, what better you know time to do this? Everyone gets to read all the you know, his stories and stuff, and you know, people like us get to sit and chat with him, which is amazing. Uh, but at the same time, it's going to help um, help along that cause. So that's the reason they sort of do it. But again, yeah, if you want to go along, sort of bit of a Q&A session with him, bit of a chat, you have a pitch taken. If you want to buy the book, there'll be plenty of copies there. Uh, but I think it's one of them, you know, there's no, you haven't got to, you know, buy the book if you go or anything like that. It's, it's more just sort of, like I say, a bit of a Q&A and a fun night uh, with John. I'm sure Simon will be there. And uh, yes, I myself may even be popping in because I literally live around the corner. So you may even see me there. And one thing I wanted to ask as well: Have you been invited to the um, the event? Is it on the it's next week? In it twenty was it was it twenty seventh? You know that you were the only one of us to get an invite to this event, Michael. <laughs> I assume that you might have got an invite, right? But it was the um, I'm trying to think of the players are now: Ben Pearson. Oh, um, bloody hell! I've got it in front of me now. I've raised I raised the bloody co- the comment, and I've not actually even got it in front of me. Um, it was Ben. Here we go. I've got I've got the event here. Um, yeah, so it's like Ryan Shawcross, Peter Thorne, and 
No, not quite. In fact, no, they've, they've already taken it off there. Okay, fine. Either way, uh, there's, there's the three of the first team, and then Ben Pearson's one of them, and there's, there's a couple more of them anyway. I think it's like the 27th. Um, if you've got a season ticket, you might want to just log into the, the app, uh, the Stoke app, and just to see if it's actually appeared on your, uh, on your. I think it's not actually the match tickets, actually. I think it's the ticket section. Just maybe worth having a look. I cannot for the life of me sit here now and remember who, who they are. But I remember all three. I was like, oh, okay. Brilliant. Like they did. They didn't feel like part timers, right? It's not Frankie Fielding, right? I don't think. Now I've said that, be Frankie Fielding. You watch. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it was three players who you would have gone. Oh, okay. I want to go and see that. So um, make sure you get along to that. Um, Archie said as well, Dan. If you don't mind me just saying, so he's put. I think uh, Vatterberger played a lot. Uh, played a lot more simple rather than playing with more flair. He'd be our best player, and we said this, didn't we? How he. He blows hot and cold for five, ten minutes. He'll be amazing. And then he'll do absolutely dreadful flicks, tricks. He can't pass in a straight line. He's got to pass with the outside of his boot. Um, and I agree with the arch. Like if, if he just simplifies his game a little bit more, and I'm not saying cut all the flare out, but just don't make every single pass trying to be a Hollywood pass. Just keep it simple. I, I agree with you. I think he could be amazing. He just needs to stop trying to impress so much, I think, is, is maybe what he's trying to do. Do you think that'll come with time? I think it'll come with time. I think it'll also come with pressure. I mean, Baker's coming back. Now, I'm not saying Baker's instantly going to go and replace Walter Berger, um, but I think Berger's been mediocre for quite some weeks now. So if Baker comes back and bosses it in training and showing his fit... Maybe that's what he needs. Is you know he's probably feeling a little bit of well, they ain't going to drop me. Josh Lorenz had his chance and he's been dropped, so he's not going to come in and replace me. I'm feeling a bit untouchable here. Um, so there's a there's a chance. I I I, I do like Berger. I think he showed. I mean, I know this is Rotherham, right? But I think you know the the six one against Rotherham. He was just he, great. He knows he's got a good shot on him. Um, I think he's. Uh, He's, he's a really, really good player. Um, another quick comment in as well. He says, since Stephen's come back, he's helped a lot, uh, a lot, a proper balanced fullback. But I think it means it looked like a proper balanced fullback who keeps it easy. Um, yeah, I think I think Stevens is good. He's going to be one of them players, a bit like a, an Eric Peters was. He was just reliable at fullback. He wouldn't really do anything incredible. He wouldn't, you know, generally score 40, 50 yard worldies or any stupid things like that. He would just be a good solid left back. Um, I still stand by the fact that Alex Neal should not have sold Josh Tymon um in, in the summer. Now, again, Josh struggled, I think, after his injury, but at the same time, like without a suitable replacement, he kind of caused his own downfall a little bit in, in our and our structure, uh, Alex. So that's another one you could probably say was a little short-sighted. I think, you know, Josh would have stayed if he thought he could have played a bit more football. And ironically, he would have played more football uh, with us uh, from that. So, yeah, I think Stevens is okay. Um, he will probably need a backup sooner rather than later, though. Yeah. And... Um, moving on, one sort of rounding this off now. One comment we did have um, before, from previous before we started uh, recording. It came from month. Now it feels like I'll be honest. It feels like a bit of a loaded question. Like, and I think it maybe needs a little bit of explanation as to 
why they possibly the thoughts are there. So he's put, is the club aiming for promotion this season? And what financial support is it likely to get to facilitate this from the billionaire owners in January? Now, I'm sort of reading that as if Month sort of feels that the owners should be putting more money in than they actually are. I don't know if that's how you've sort of taken that, Mike, but that's how I'm sort of reading it. Um, what I will say is I think they back the manager as far as they can within the rules that they're allowed to work within. And I think overspending in one sector has led to um, the purse tightenings rather strangulation of the <laughs> of the purse, to be honest, um, in future years when things haven't quite worked out as well as we wanted them to. And I think they've learned from their mistakes. And I think for a championship side without any parachute payments, they actually backed the manager very well in the summer with what they did. Um, you know, we spent, we were probably amongst... If you take away the the, the clubs with relegate who were relegated, we were probably amongst the high spenders, uh, net spends in that in the summer as well. So, I think, yeah, you look at you bring in Bergen, my people like that, as well as all the other deals. Think of all you know, eighteen players. That's eighteen signing on fees for a start. You know, so that's not cheap, is it? Um, I think there will be money available, but I think again they're going to work within to make sure that not all the eggs are put into one season's basket and then we may have to wait three or four years before we're allowed to spend any money again. That won't be happening again. So I'm if it was down to the owners, I can guarantee you they that open checkbook would just be in the in the chairman's in the manager's desk for whatever play we wanted. However, the rules are there and we have to live we have to live by no matter how wealthy our owners are, which is, yeah, whether you agree with that or not, that's what we have to do. So that's the reason why I think we don't go out and spend, you know, as much money as we'd like to. Um, you, you know what? It's hard to add an awful lot more. I think you would have said pretty much what I was saying. I don't think we can fault them for for what they've done this season so far. I mean, you know, Alex Neal's gone out and found his found his players in his budget. I think it, we, you know, we we openly said after the deals have been done, or not we, Alex Neal said after the deals have been done, that he would have wanted to do more permanent deals, which obviously comes with a transfer fee. So you can say there's definitely money left. We obviously, again, wanted to sign Travis for a few million quid. That wasn't spent on a, on a, you know, a goalkeeping replacement. We had to get him in on loan. So, again, there's money there. So I don't think for a second there's any issues at all. We've still not really used anywhere near all the money from the money that we could have spent based on the FFP cycle resetting, to, to if that's the right word, um, and then still the money for Harry Souter. We've still got that money, by and large, left from that deal. We didn't, just to reiterate again, we did not need that to sort out our FFP. It was the um, goalkeeping sale of uh, Joe Bursick that covered the shortfall on that, which was about £300,000 shortfall. We we didn't sell, sell Suter to cover that FFP. So that was bonus money we never expected to get. We weren't guaranteed to get it. They've told us that two or three times now. So we've got plenty of money, I think. And what did we spend in the 
I think what was the net spend reported was about four million. I think four for five million. I could be wrong. Do you remember seeing a number? Um, I, I, yeah, I can't think. Did we obviously? Yeah, Jacob Brown would have offset a lot of the the outgoings, wasn't he? And obviously Josh Timer as well at the end of the window. Um, I was just thinking then. I was like, "Where did we have coming in?" Because I know we released a lot of players, but obviously, yeah, there was those deals with the Timing and Brown. Um, I think we were like three million. Is it three million for Burger? Three and a half for Mai? That Larice was was he about one point two million? Don't think we spent much more money. Uh, we've got loan yeah. deals, haven't we? Haksabanovich, Hoover, uh, Pearson was a million and a half, I believe. So yeah, I think, I think we've got Junior as well. So Junior was about was he about a million? Was he? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think if you take that into account, and then obviously the money, as you said, that we got for players going out, I think net spend we've only been a couple of million quid. So again, we've still got money to spend. And the one thing about the signings, let's not forget the players that were intentionally brought here for not this season. We've mentioned Junior. I don't think he was ever brought here to start this season. So that's Junior. That's, there's one of them who's going to maybe be like a new signing next year. He's shown some really strong signs. Um, what's his face? Uh, Joic, who's obviously been playing in the under-21s. Um, again, he needs to acclimatise. We've not seen Juno very much at all. So he's going to feel like a new signing if he can get himself settled in. So the players that we're seeing and performing week in, week out at the minute, I say week in, week out, like they're amazing, but you know th- that we're seeing week in, week out. Um you can save to say that there's going to be probably three or four people next season, even if we don't sign anyone else, who are going to feel like new players. So there's, I think they've done some good business, potentially. Time will tell whether they're actually good enough or not. Or, you know, the, a Joy H could be another Aris Mendy. Do you know what I mean? It, it could happen. So I think, I don't think you were trying to maybe load us up too much with that comment month, but um, I don't think you can fault the owners. I think when... But from a spending perspective, I think when we've been allowed to spend, they've spent. Whether you could argue that they shouldn't have given X manager or shouldn't have spent that much on that player, well, that's down to the manager. And obviously, he's going to say, you know, this is what we're going to pay. Are you happy to approve it? It's going to affect your budget of that by this much. They can, all, they can only do so much, right? Uh, the, the money's there. They've spent it. I don't think you can fault them for money at all, personally, mate. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, is there anything else Stoke related you want to mention? Uh, no, I guess just a reiteration, we don't do this hardly ever on the podcast, but um, anyone who's listening who wants to join the Facebook group, just go and search on every step along the way on Facebook. Uh, that one has seen a significant amount of, of joiners recently. Uh, I think we're approaching about 500, and that's really, again, we never mention the podcast, uh, the Facebook group on the podcast, hardly ever. So that's growing naturally anyway. Uh, and guys, honestly, we're, we're very, very close to, I think, about 3,000 followers on um on Twitter as well. So if you can all please just uh, do a favor, uh, you know, pass the feed on or the, the handle to, you know, friends and stuff like that. I really want to be over 3000 by the time the next game ticks along. So we are 14 off uh, 3000 followers on Twitter. So um, please get that followed. And for this season, I think last time I looked, we were, it was over 50,000 people have have listened so far this season. So um, again, Thank you to every single one of you who've been listening. Please share it, you know, speak to your friends, tell everyone about it. The amount of people who, who listen to this part organically 
based off your guys' feedbacks. Um, genuinely, it's it's how a podcast grows, right? So um, the more people listen, the more people get involved, the more interviews we get with, with different players, ex-managers. We're trying to sort out a, another one that no one else gets at the minute. Um, so, yeah, Luke, we appreciate everyone, but keep following, keep sharing it, please. That would be great. And just tag all your friends into the, the bloody podcast feed, right, and, and Twitter. Get them on there. I'd love to see over three thousand. So, um, other than that, Dan, no, I think we've you know we're going to have another normal pod back again uh, next week, aren't we? Obviously, looking forward to Blackburn. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm feeling confident about this run of games. I'm not going to lie. I think you know Blackburn, we, they're a difficult team. We've got a good chance, I think, of winning. QPR, I think, haven't won at home for about eleven or twelve games. I think it is. Which is bloody hell, there's charity FCFC in it. Um, yeah, especially like most of them, though, were with Gareth Ainsworth in charge. So, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately, exactly. but then is it what Swansea, I think, we've got as well? Then, um, I just remember the, the actual fixtures, but either way, you know, Sheffield Wednesday, I think, yeah. is another one. So, yeah, so, so it's Blackburn, uh, Blackburn at home, QPR away. Plymouth away, uh, Sheffield Wednesday at home, Swansea at home, then it's West Brom. So again, a great chance in theory to go and get some wins. If we come out of that now, I think with, oh, I mean, I mean, I'll ask you down. What do you well, think we're going to get right? So, I mean, for me, Blackburn, I'm going to go three points there. I think we're going to beat them. QPR, I'm going to go three points again. I'm going to get six. Plymouth, one. That's seven. Sheffield, three, that's 10, and three against Swansea because they, they don't like coming here. So what what was that, 13 points? Yeah. At the next five, I think that's realistic. And that puts us, I'd say, very close to the playoffs, if not in them. Now, that might be red and white tinted glasses, but that's what I'm going for. I can tell, but yeah, the effects of a couple of wins, eh? <laughs> Have a good month. It just just shows, I don't see like the changing mindset that a few good results can do. Um, but yeah, I think uh, just before we go, I just rewind slightly to what you were saying as well about Facebook. One thing we have got that sort of Facebook do now is uh, like a messenger chat as well. So. If you join our sort of Facebook group, there is sort of the ability there as well to get involved in the messenger chat, uh, which basically is just like a big group chat with everybody. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, there's, there's always messages and chats, and you know, so it's a stoke sort of um, chatter going on in there, isn't there? And, um, yeah, well worth getting involved in, even if you just want to mute it and just have a read through, flick through and read any comments as and when you, you want to. Um, yeah, that's good. And obviously, the other way you can sort of help us is obviously you know, any sort of five star reviews would be much appreciated. If you do enjoy the podcast and you do want to listen, um, yeah, like I say, the more the better reviews and the more sort of voices, the more people we get involved, the more credibility it gives us. She's easier when we go to like I say people to try and get them to come on the pod and and sort of you know give us their time. It's obviously if we go there and. Yeah, we haven't got much feedback or, or much support behind us. They sort of going to turn the nose up. So the more numbers we can get, the better. So yes, the prime, the, sorry, Dad, the prime example of that, by the way, John Rudge interview. 
that got so much feedback. We had private messages, um, Facebook groups, private messenger comments. We got so much good feedback. We had people, we had some, basically Tom, uh, who does the graphics, was in the pub, wasn't involved in the conversation, and heard people in the pub talking about the podcast with John Rudge. So it's stuff like that that we were then fed back and it's okay. Do you want to do a part two, and do you want to bring Nalo into it as well? Like, genuinely, you people do underestimate like how important feedback can be. Like, without that, part two wouldn't have happened, right? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, just yeah, there was you know, I have one comment. Last very last thing, uh, His Excellency Jared Dublin's Y Scout account. He did put on the comments. Uh, he says, "Forget the football. It's international break. Forget the football." Talk about the boxing. We've got Nathan Heaney fighting this week. Um, obviously, we had uh, Shabazz Maverick Masood making his comeback and fighting last week as well after a year out. Um, and he's going to be out again in January. Yeah, he's what a fantastic display uh, he put on last week. I think he'd only had COVID a few weeks before. So, you know, massive, um, you know, big ups to, to him. I thought he did fantastically well. And like I say, he's got big things coming for that lad. And Nathan Heaney, what a fight he's got coming up this weekend. Uh, Denzel Bentley, the toughest fight he's had in his career. And I think if he wins that and wins that, he'll be the first Stoke-on-Trent boxer to win a British title. I think that possibly will be the biggest win. Um, it's already one of the biggest fights that Stoke-on-Trent fighters has ever taken, I think. I remember um, Scott Lawton, who I've sort of, yeah, sort of know sporadically. I think he, I know he fought Amir Khan in Nottingham. Uh, once, but I, I think that was, you know, I, I'm not sure as good as Scott was. Um, I don't think, you know, he was ever sort of much close to Amir's levels. Um, whereas this, I think Nathan E goes in with a great chance to win this fight. And if he does, then he's definitely going to get the Bet365 boot for next summer. Because, uh, yeah, he's, he'll be, uh, there'll be big fights coming his way. So best of luck to Nathan. Right, I think we shall. Uh, shall we put a pin in this mic for now and uh, reopen the spaces come uh, come Christmas time? I reckon January. You reckon next one? Yeah, we'll do the normal Christmas special. We normally have a, a number of guests and stuff on there. We'll be lots of fun games and various different things that we're going to need everyone to vote in and, uh, you know, you, you name it. If anyone's listened to the last three years' worth of uh, Christmas pods, you'll know how they go. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, everyone just enjoy, you know, your, your break from, from Stoke. You know, we're internationals, if you want to get into the, you know, your international football, like, you know me, I don't really care less about it, right? Um, but, you know, either way, Way. let's look forward to a bit of a break we'll come back Stoke are going to want it on a run we're going to be in the playoffs within five or six games and we're going to at the very least make it an interesting second half of the season before we get interrupted by another international break in March I think it is so um, yeah everyone enjoy enjoy your time um, and we'll see you all normal time normal place um, and uh, yeah all the very best up the potters away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.